Hi, and welcome to the Best of Cold Minisodes, where each week we discuss cases of police brutality or deaths in custodies against BIPOC people. So if you've never listened to one of these episodes before, they're a lot less chatty, a lot less banter-filled than our normal episodes. We basically try and present the cases just as they are without putting our input in it at all. We'll obviously discuss it a little bit, but we try and keep it not about us and more about the cases. And as always, we encourage you to do further research about these cases after you listen to the episode. So Tama is going to do his case first this week, and then I will do mine. So I'm talking about Eric Garner, who was uh, murdered on July 17th, 2014, in New York City borough of Staten Island after... Daniel Pantaleo of New York City Police Department put him in a prohibited chokehold while arresting him. So, when NYPD officers approached Garner on July 17th on a suspicion of selling single cigarettes from packs without tax stamps, uh, Garner told police that he was tired of being harassed and that he was not selling cigarettes. The officers attempted to arrest Garner. When Pantaleo placed his hands on Garner, Garner pulled his arms away. Pantaleo then placed his arm around Garner's neck and wrestled him to the ground. With multiple officers pinning him down, Garner repeated the words, I can't breathe, 11 times while lying face down on the sidewalk. After Garner lost consciousness, he remained lying on the sidewalk for seven minutes while the officers waited for an ambulance to arrive. Garner was pronounced dead at an area hospital approximately one hour later. The medical examiner ruled Garner's death a homicide, and according to the medical examiner's definition, a homicide is a death caused by an intentional actions of another person or persons. Specifically, an autopsy indicated that Garner's death resulted from compression of neck, compression of chest, and prone positioning during the physical restraint by police. Asthma, heart disease, and obesity were cited as contributing factors. On December 4th, 2014, a Richmond County grand jury decided not to indict Pantaleo. This decision caused a stir amongst public protests and rallies with charges of police brutality made by protesters. By December 28, 2014, at least 50 demonstrations had been held nationwide in response to Garner's case, while hundreds of demonstrations against general police brutality counted Garner as a focal point. On July 13th, 2015, an out-of-court settlement was reached under which the city of New York would pay the Garner family $5.9 million. In 2019, the U.S. Department of Justice declined to bring criminal charges against Pantaleo under federal civil rights laws, but a New York Police Department disciplinary hearing regarded Pantaleo's treatment of Garner was held in the summer of 2019 on August the 2nd. An administrative, an administrative judge recommended that Pantaleo's employment be terminated. Pantaleo was fired on August 19, 2019, more than five years after Garner's death. But he never had any official no charges No charges him. whatsoever. Not even recognized as a murder. And was that, um, was that the story that I know there was one a few years ago that was widely circulated? It was filmed? You know yeah, it was filmed. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, was that the one. one that was huge in 2014. That's that, um, you, you know, the whole thing about the George Floyd case is it's kind of, you know, it's been like the final nail in the coffin of like, enough's a fucking enough. Yeah. But it's been going on for years. Of Eric course. Garner was one of the biggest 
viral cases because, like you said, it was filmed. And there's actual footage of it happening, and it's the exact same thing as George Floyd. He's calling out 11 times that he can't breathe. Same thing with, with Dungay. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. And the lack of medical assistance given. And a legal chokehold that they can't even use as police. Yeah. And while several police officers are holding him down, like, how is it necessary to choke him out? Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about my case now. So on the 12th of June, 2020, at around 10.30, police are called to a Wendy's drive-thru in South Atlanta as a man has fallen asleep in his car, blocking customers from accessing the drive-thru. That man is Rayshard Brooks. The first officer on the scene, first officer on the scene rather, is Devin Brosnan, and the timestamp on his body cam indicates that this happens at around twenty-two forty-one. You can see Officer Brosnan approaches the car and knocks on the window a few times before opening the door. Quote, "Hey man, you've parked in the middle of the drive-through line here." End quote. At first, Rayshard doesn't appear to respond, but eventually stirs, and the officer tells him that he needs to pull into a parking spot. Once both cars are parked, the officer asks Rayshard how much he's had to drink. He responds with, not much, about one drink. His license is checked and a few minutes later, backup is called for. Officer Rolf arrives at around 22.56, according to body cam footage. Rolf interviews Rayshard and at one point they ask him if he's armed and conduct a sobriety test, which lasts about seven minutes. Going off the footage at this stage, Rayshard seems relaxed. He's asked to take a breathalyzer test, and while they wait for the results, Rayshard admits that he's been drinking during the day at his younger daughter's birthday party. The questioning continues for 41 minutes, throughout which Rayshard is completely complying with every request made of him. At 23.23, Officer Rolf attempts to arrest Rayshard, and a struggle ensues, whereas both officers' body cameras fall to the floor. What happens next is documented by a dash cam in the officer's vehicle, as well as bystanders who film the event. The officers wrestle Rayshard to the floor, all the while warning him they will tase him if he continues to fight them. At some stage, Rayshard manages to break break free, grabbing one of the officers' tasers and punching the other. Rayshard then turns and flees from both officers. As he runs, one of the officers reaches for his handgun, and it's at this point Rayshard turns his body and points the taser at Officer Rolf, and appears to fire it, although it's never been made clear if the taser was actually fired. It's at this point Officer Rolf fires his gun. The shots are captured by the dash cam. When the shots are fired, Rayshard is roughly 5.5 metres away, heading further away from the officers when he's hit twice in the back with another bullet hitting another civilian's vehicle. Rayshard falls to the floor and remains on the floor for the rest of the video, at which point officers stand over him, and while it's not clear, it doesn't appear that any medical assistance is given him given to him for over two minutes. After a few more minutes, an ambulance is called, but having suffered bullet injuries to major organs and a large amount of blood loss, Rayshard sadly dies in surgery. His death came mere weeks after that of George Floyd. The police chief of South Atlanta shortly quits after this event, and the officer who fired the bullets was fired. The Fulton County Medical Examiner declared Rayshard's death as homicide. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard told CNN that three charges could apply against sacked police officer Garrett Rolfe, murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault. Quote, But I believe in this instance what we have to choose between, if there's a choice to be made, is between murder and felony murder. End quote. Tamika Miller, the wife of Mr. Brooks, said she wants the officers involved in the shooting to be sent to prison. 
As of today, it doesn't appear that any official charges have been laid, and it's worth noting that while it wasn't clear if Raishar did indeed fire the taser, both bullet wounds entered via his back, meaning he was turned away from the officers as the shots were fired. And that information was taken from the BBC website. Right. So I think a lot of a lot of focus with Rayshard's death because it kind of re-sparked all the protests that had sort of started to wind down after George Floyd's death was a lot of people were arguing, well, he reached for the taser, but many people are quick to point out that a taser is classed as a non-lethal weapon. So a non-lethal weapon shouldn't warrant lethal force brought against it. And as I mentioned before, both bullets entered via his back, meaning that the dash cam footage that captures it, it's not clear whether he actually fires the taser, but the fact that he was fleeing the officers and both bullets enter his back seemed to make it pretty clear that he wasn't attempting to attack them. He didn't pose any threat at that point. No, he was trying to get away. Even with a taser, you have several officers around. And at that point, they had his license, they had his vehicle. It would have been very easy for them had he been over the limit and if they did need to press charges against him for drunk driving, it would have been very simple for them to track him down based on the fact that they had his car and his license and registration details. So just another example of just an unnecessary level of force. Completely unnecessary. Just a death that didn't need to happen at all. And and I don't think you can even make the argument of, oh, but he had a taser and was posing a threat. It's like that doesn't even come close to warranting a death. But they also, the officer went for kill shots. He was shot in the back. In the back. If you really think someone is, yeah, you could go for a leg shot to make them stop running away from you if that's really the kind of argument you're going to make. Yeah. Also, this guy's inebriated heavily. And you just come from his young daughter's birthday party. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, you well just done. killed a you really, young father. Yeah, you really stopped a, a violent criminal there. Yep. So, that's basically it. If this is the first mini so that you've listened to, we really try not to get into our opinions too much or make it about us. We just present the stories as they are. And then as always, we encourage you to do research for yourself and look further into these cases. There are links in our show notes for charities that you can donate money to. They are Australian charities that help Indigenous Australian people, mainly Indigenous Australians who have been incarcerated and maybe don't have access to the legal aid that they should be able to access. So we would love for you to consider donating to any of these charities or if you would like, if you are someone listening in a different country and you would like to donate to a charity based in your own country, we encourage you to just do a quick Google search and find something in your area that's appropriate for you to donate to. But thank you for tuning in. These cases are really important and really deserve to be learnt and spread and the names of these victims deserve to be remembered.